burden. We just want you to speak to us, God, like you always do from your word. Answer questions that we have and reassure us of things to come. Thank you, Lord. Everything comes from your holy word. And we honor you and love you for it in Jesus' name. Amen and praise God. So uh, we're going to talk about friendship with the world and uh, what that entails and uh, what that means for us as Christians how we can avoid that you know the Bible says friendship with the world is enmity against God so here you either are friends with one or the other can't be both Uh, one of the things that we learn about the blood covenant ritual is that uh, people unless they pledge friendship to one another are enemies uh, we in our our own desire to preserve ourselves, our lives, our possessions, everything that we own and everything that we hold dear uh, have to put ourselves first. Now I'm not talking about your life in God. I'm just talking about humanity uh, without God. Born in our natural condition, uh, we have a tendency to preserve self and uh, do everything for selfish motives. Uh, when you come into a knowledge of God though, he allows allows you to lay that down think think of the tension in your life when you think about having nothing but enemies in the world and everybody's against you who can you trust uh, this was the way Ishmael lived and, and it was a curse over his life the Bible said he would his hand would be against every man there's nobody he can make friends with and nobody he can make peace with we see evidence of that uh, in the Arab nations. Those are the, the offspring of Ishmael. Uh, and we see evidence of that, that they war and they fight and it never ends. And so God devised a way to bring us into peace. And that was with the covenant of strong friendship. Uh, when uh, people in, in uh, uh, primitive times or what we call primitive cultures, uh, when people would want to make friends, and, and this is even true today, uh, it, they had covenant rituals back then, but now we have treaties, we have compacts, we have agreements. They're not sworn, <coughs> excuse me, they're not sworn in blood, so they're not covenants. They can be broken very easily and they often are but men in primitive times honored what they called the covenant of strong friendship it was a blood covenant and it answered every question that you would have about your own survival and the survival of the one that you made friends with so when you make friends with someone you lay down your life on their behalf and this was the essence of that blood covenant and see we don't know anything about that often in western cultures because we have BFF today and then they ain't no good 10 minutes later so there's a lot of betrayal in our hearts because we see when you suspect somebody is being selfish and not considering you then you break friendship with them this is normal very few people will hold on to a friendship if somebody uh takes off on their own to have something that that's going to hurt them or it's not going to serve them and so in a blood covenant there must be provision made for violating the laws of the covenant and in a blood covenant it is a life for life if you break it 
they go and get revenge on you. There's no two ways about that. In our blood covenant with the Lord Jesus Christ, if we break it, what do we do? We plead the blood, we confess our sins, we are forgiven, and we're right back in the covenant again. See, This is something that we violate often, but we are forgiven if we'll confess and allow God to cleanse us from all unrighteousness. That's why a lot of this goofy grace teaching is out there now. Because there are people saying, well, you don't need to keep, keep confessing your sins. And I say, are you kidding me? Are you nuts? <laughs> you must be sick. You do it. If that's where you want to leave, you go do that. But don't preach that to me. Because I know what got me saved. I know what keeps me going every day. I know what happens. I know what happens when I don't confess. I am so far away from God. It's pathetic. And I don't want to live apart. You live that way if you want to. But no thank you. And so we we have to really, really understand confession. The Bible says if you confess your faults one to another and pray one for another, you will be healed. You understand what I'm saying? You can't keep junk on your soul forever and feel good about you, God, anything else. And you can't think clearly. If you walk around with a clouded soul that's, you know, troubled from what you did wrong and you're trying to make sure nobody finds out and all this kind of crazy stuff, you will drive yourself nuts. Jesus didn't die for nothing. He died for us because he knew what kind of trouble we have and he has a remedy for it. So it's always confession. I tell people confess if you think you do everything right. That's something to confess. (laughs) You can confess pride right there. Amen. Confess when you think you haven't done anything wrong. Confess anyway because that keeps you out of pride. It really does. So anyway, and then the Holy Spirit will convict you. Conviction really is not whipping you and trying to make you feel bad. Conviction is that sense of distance from God. See, and it's, In its simplest form, it is a feeling and a sensation that you have that your spirit has shut down and you are distant from God. And so you want to have strong friendship with God. You want to have close um, uh, fellowship with him. You don't ever want to break fellowship with God. You want to be able to go to him no matter what, no matter where, and say, God, I need your help. I'm in trouble. I, I don't feel right about this. I feel like something's wrong somewhere what 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 do we need to do and so your friendship with God is the greatest thing it really is the greatest thing and that helps it so in James 4 verse 1 it says from where do wars and fightings come from among you don't they come even for your lusts that war against your members so really it's lust in our members that causes us to fall out with people it causes us to be distant from people it causes trouble he said you lust and have not you kill and desire to have and cannot obtain so he said lust will lead you nowhere it just it just keeps craving more and more and more. And he says you have not because you ask not. You ask and receive not because you ask amiss that you might consume it on your lust. So God does not bless the greedy. He does not bless people who don't who aren't good stewards, you know. And he says you adulterers and adulteresses, don't you know that friendship with the world which is evident by lusting and craving is enmity with God whosoever therefore will be a friend of the world 
is the enemy with God. So I was thinking about this and I, I was thinking about you know the election coming up and how people are preaching well I don't know how you can vote for so and so and so and so and you're a Christian you know and this kind of stuff and that kind of stuff well it, we need to understand what that word friendship means and what it means to um, uh, fellowship in a certain attitude or a certain uh, desire so really the word um, a friendship a friend is a person you know and have a bond with it's a bond of mutual affection and it's exclusive generally speaking it's exclusive of family members and we all know that because family's family friends come and go or friends you can walk with for a season and if you find you don't walk want to walk with them anymore adios but family's totally different it means a strong liking or trust so friendship is a strong liking or trust a friend is one who helps or supports something I know we have uh, um, uh, some some ministries will like friends of so and so ministry so that means that you have a strong liking or you're willing to support that that's the main purpose for friendship is the purpose of mutual support and many times people will judge the strength of your friendship based on how far you go to support them sometimes people can do things that are wrong and not be repentant but they expect people to support them anyway you see what I'm saying and so your friendships can draw you into violating your own moral principles if you're not careful I always tell people that when you choose friends it's because there's something about them that clicks with something in you and that draws you to that person and you need to find out what that is so you need to find out what that is because many times you will find yourself breaking fellowship with Christians and people who are loyal to God and loyal to the church just to hang on to that person that you seem to have some kind of affinity for and that's why a lot of times God will cause them to do something that's very hurtful to you to let you know you know that's not the relationship for you you know I mean seriously that's when you belong to God and that's really a blessing there because God is you know we can get blind to people's faults we can get blind to their um, uh, miscalculations their misunderstandings we can get get blind to a lot of things uh, in dealing with people just because we want that close attachment and we want that feeling of belonging and we're really really um not willing to chance what it would feel like to be without that see and so we we have to make sure that our 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 friendships and our fellowships are god-based i was thinking and i said you know when i first got saved and I was had been in a mental hospital and I was trying to recover from depression and, and it really really uh, took me down and, and caused me to have to really take things seriously I thought you know you take a few pills go back to work and everything's fine but uh, it, it just my recovery didn't happen like that 
And I remember sharing that with some of the, you know, nurses and, and people that I had worked with. And, you know, the, oh, well, you know, I'm sorry to hear that. And I never heard from them again. You see what I'm saying? And I thank God for it because my help was not going to come from the world. You see, but it can show you how quickly people can break friendship and fellowship with you. And then you realize, well, we weren't really friends anyway. We were more like acquaintances or, or uh, you know, co-workers or something like that. And so the, the idea of friendship means that there is something in a person that draws you to them. And there is a strong tie. Friends are people who are allied in a struggle or cause. Now, when whenever uh, we go to war as a nation, we count on certain people to be what we call our allies. And that means that in certain instances, when we need help, those people are, are, are called to come alongside of us uh, to help us. And so... But only in certain circumstances. So if war breaks out, then we can count. The United Nations has set something up where where they have <laughs> helpers. And, and uh, I found out this last war that we had in Iraq, there ain't much help going. In fact, that was true in the Vietnam War. That was a, a United Nations uh, operation. It started out that way. The French really owned what they called Indochina at the time. And the French appealed to the United Nations because communists were coming and taking over that nation and they weren't strong enough to hold them off any longer. And the United States got stuck with the major, um, um, you know, uh, major uh, um, undertaking for that. You know, we sent more troops and got more killed than any any other nation and so these things are treaties can be very lopsided if you have to really consider and I'm saying that to say this when you have friends make sure God is the author of your friendship uh, because you know you can count on them in God you got me Uh, one of the things that we've attempted to do in this ministry is to develop friendships between people who have the mutual responsibility to pray for one another and partner with one another in prayer and make sure that you undergird one another and help one another so that 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 becomes the foundation for your friendship and so if if that's a foundation for your friendship you'll find that you always have a friend you know what I'm saying you'll call them and say well can we pray now you and they'll say well yeah yeah let's pray and you know that kind of thing and so we've tried to cultivate that kind of sincere attitude toward prayer and from that your friendship develops Uh, I I know that there are times people uh, feel that it's not that important but everything hinges on your commitment to partner with that other person in prayer God looks at that he he, uh, honors it when you uh, submit yourselves one to another in love where you esteem each other more highly than yourselves all of that goes in your favor and you reap the long-term benefits of it and so it's good a friend also is a comrade or someone you love and who loves you that's friendship well some so-called friendships are really kind of lopsided you know it's I, I've observed this with people. You know, I really say anything to people unless I feel I have to. But sometimes you look at some people who, you know, are clay, close and, uh, 
you see some some uh, unclean things. You know, sometimes one person is controlling and the other person seems passive and weak. You know, that's not going to last. Uh, sometimes you'll see a person that um, is very knowledgeable and the other one doesn't seem to know very much. And you think, well, what do they have in common? You, you understand what I mean? It's just, just an observation of the way people people form relationships and attachments. And then when something happens and that relationship gets broken up, then one person's running after the other. The other one's trying to get away. And I'm thinking, they should have left a long time ago. You know, you were unequally yoked and didn't know it. And so we have to be careful of what it is that draws us to people. And know what's drawing you uh, to another individual. And uh, let God be the author of it and let God clean it up. If it's not right, ask God to put it on the right foundation. You know, God, I don't want to be around a person that I feel uh, feel that just they just are around me because they need somebody to boss around, or you know, they just come and find me when when they want to go do certain things and they don't really spend much time with me. Other, they're not interested in me. And so, friendships are very important to keep under God's authority, under God's control. Friendships can be put in jeopardy through selfishness. And so in situations like that we are commanded to forgive one another. And that keeps the bond of friendship. You can forgive anything. I mean I know people think well they shouldn't have done that. and I never thought they'd do that to me. And you know (laughs) well yeah right welcome grow up is what I say. There's a devil out there that's poking and prodding people 24-7. What do you expect people to do? They'd do almost anything. <laughs> so that's why and, and that's what God, God has uh, uh, given us access to is forgiveness. So that we can keep friendships. See, that's, that's how you keep your friendship. And you're, it's not kept by them doing everything you think they should do and never hurting your feelings. Ma'am, we're not responsible for each other's feelings, but we are responsible to obey the word of God. And if you're doing the best you can obeying the word of God, and don't be so so proud that you don't know how to apologize to people and tell them you're sorry. and Make that the first order of business and you'll keep relationship with people. But if you walk around offended, then you're always trying to get even. You understand what I'm saying? You're always looking for an opportunity. I should have told them so and so. And your mind keeps going racing with that nonsense. And then you finally think you got an opportunity to set them straight. You know, you can't set anybody straight. You ain't straight yourself. You know, you go straight somebody else out. The best you can do is forgive and be sincere about it and ask God to give you a clean start. God, can you start us over again, but start us off clean? So it's a good thing to understand friendship. So in the deepest meaning of friendship, we have the covenant tie. So that's a, a covenant of what, what they referred to as strong friendship. And it went on after your lifetime. Went on from generation to generation. So it had a deep meaning to it. Man, had a deep meaning. That's how we can claim household salvation and pray for it. Is that you are saved, you have a covenant with God, and it goes extends to your children, grandchildren, on down, on down, on down. And so be assured that God will save them. Amen. 
me myself I like to see it God let it happen in my lifetime I want to see him worship you and not just going off to church and some old dead church and being religious but really really worshiping you and what do I have to do to see that happen you know put yourself in there make yourself responsible to do some some lifting as far as that's concerned do some lifting of prayer and so when we when we live like that then we are friends with God he wants us to do our part he put us here to do our part and so you uh, please God as a friend of God when you want to bring others to Christ it's part of our friendship with him amen God I love you and I want to introduce you to some more people <laughs> it's just that simple and so when we when we think in those terms we'll always have opportunity to live as friends with God always put him first you know so when we're friends with the world we are enemies of God and sometimes there's a little bit here and a little bit there that will draw us over to be friends with the world I see <clears throat> there are people now who are uh, being listening to a lot of uh, rhetoric that causes people to be uh, what they call divisive but it's really selfish you know it's like uh, now we've got racial problems again that that haven't surfaced for over 50 years you know and I, I look at some of these young black kids and I want to slap them I say you listen you don't you're not old enough to know what racism really is you're repeating something somebody's telling you to get an advantage over your head but I can remember when when everything was segregated you know I went to we went to segregated high schools when we got our books they had been used for 10 years and white schools got new books we got beat up rotten used books you got me that's racism nowadays kids can go to school with the best of materials and they don't want to go you got me <laughs> so, <laughs> so individual stupidity <laughs> trumps anything that somebody can do to you because of your color you know what I'm saying that's an imaginary demon it's not real anymore we got too many laws that you know somebody's really after you and won't give you a promotion because of your color you can sue them you got me you have recourse now where you couldn't before and so we have to understand that uh, people's minds can get manipulated to make them friends with worldly thoughts thoughts that stir up strife that cause contention are always adversarial to God God does not want us to live in a world that promotes strife contention name calling uh, accusation all of that he wants us to live in peace and so you know you have to be careful sometimes that you don't get yourself inflamed with certain ideas that are caused to stir you up and make you feel angry or uncomfortable or like you've got enemies that you want to fight the world you know that's not for Christians that is not for us and I know for a fact my parents survived their parents survived there's always a way to survive but they walk closely with God 
You know, that's that's your survival. I don't care who's in charge and what color they are. Your survival has to be in God. Either you're not looking for Caesar to to make you feel important or make you feel wanted or anything like that. You look to God for that. And so we 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 know that people can survive all kinds of difficult situations if they'll hold on to God. So when you're God's friend, you are willing to lay down your life as he laid down his. Friendship requires that. Whatever that person, one person does, the other must agree to do it. And that's why friendships get broken is because people will, you know, all you need to do if you got a BFF that's, uh, uh, if you're a girl, she's a girl, and if you're a, a guy, he's a guy. All you got to do to break that up is somebody find somebody to date. And that breaks up the BFF real quick. We were friends until that guy got involved. Now she acts like she didn't have time for anybody. And then she get dumped and she want to be your friend again and you mad at her. Because <laughs> she loved you because she had a boyfriend for a hot minute. So, <laughs> so but when covenant friends you your your heart expands so that you can allow that individual to have their individual happiness see you're happy for that person the bible says you rejoice with those who rejoice huh yeah well honey if you got one i'm next in line something you know keep yourself going but you don't uh, don't break friendship because of of somebody else getting blessed or or desiring to have somebody else in their life it's just normal to want that and so when you have a covenant friend you are a person who uh, can can rejoice when they rejoice you can believe the best for them. Uh, you can forgive instantly and walk on in fellowship with that individual. Amen. Uh, we have no covenant with the world. Making friends with the world is, you know, going to lead nowhere. Uh, the devil can't keep his word. That's why you don't have a covenant with the world. He's nothing but a liar. He'll lie to you to lure you away from God. So there's no such thing as a covenant with the world because he cannot keep his word. So when you're trying to be friends with the world, you're always chasing nothing. You know, it's, it's very elusive. You, you know, you'll do everything you can to get along with a person and all that kind of stuff, that worldly kind of friendship. And then you find out they, you know, plan you or didn't care about you or you overhear them saying something about you behind your back that, you know, was unkind, whatever. Uh, so the world cannot keep covenant. They can't make a covenant with you. When we lay down our lives, we don't die to to uh in the natural but we die to self die to the flesh many times we'll start thinking of doing things and you know if there's self motive there we're already enemies with God when you go off on self go off in self motive that puts you at odds with God and he he will will help you according to his merciful kindness his loving kindness not according to his covenant and so he has a covenant of loving kindness why why always 
get the crumbs from the table when he wants you to when he has a seat for you. And that's why I ask people why why just settle for crumbs from the table when God has prepared a place for you at the table. And and many many people because of selfishness and lack of trust, lack of trust in God, will settle for crumbs and they think they're they're eating steak. <laughs> and they find out uh Brother Hagen did that. Now he he and he confesses when he started Rama, I think he was in his 40s or 50s when he started early. He was in his 40s for sure. And he said, I have been pastoring for 20 years. And one one day God told me, well, you're just about to start your ministry. And he said, what do you mean, start my ministry? I've been preaching. He said, yeah, but I didn't tell you to do that. He pastored and he was called as a teacher. Struggled many years pastoring. I mean, they, 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 the stories are horrendous. <laughs> they, you know, almost starved, living in one room. You know, uh, the wife was screaming at him all the time because they didn't have enough money, and kids were sick. And I think that's how he really started uh, developing his faith in God was out of necessity because of hard times. We all have them. Uh, theirs lasted a long time. Uh, more than likely because of his disobedience. Now people say, well he didn't know. Well he could have found out. Find out everything else you want to know about. Sometimes we don't want to know God's will. We don't want to know what he wants. We don't want to know. We just want to go along as though we know. See, there's a difference. Brother Hagin started Rama. We don't we don't know about any of the things he did in those churches he pastored. We don't know where they are, who the people were. I'm sure the people were blessed as far as they could be blessed. But you know about Rama, don't you? So when you get in the will of God, you find out that is the best place for you. That's where all the blessing is. That's where all the fruit is. That's where all the. That's where you will make your mark, and and be known for what God wants you to be known for. Uh, people who have gone to that school have gone all over the world. He's got branches all over the world. There are word of faith churches in every country almost in the world. And so you can't tell me being in the will of God does not prosper you more because you can see that it does. And so God allowed him to do what he felt he was supposed to do for all of those years. It's called mercy. Got me? So just because you, you've got bread on your table and you've got a job and you've got the bare necessities. Because living large is what is all in the eyes of the beholder. You need to talk to God and see what his idea of living large is. Got me? Before we think. Because compared to somebody without a job, if you've got a job, that is wonderful. But is that what God wants for you is that what he's ordained for you and so many times we call ourselves friends with God but we don't trust him to run our lives we don't trust him to set aside everything see the interesting thing is when you go to God we go with a request all the time sometimes you need to just go and say God what do you want 
You know, that's where Brother Hagen, that's where he made his mistake. He kept going to God, telling him, well, uh, I want to go and uh, preach over here. Can you get me another church? Or, what? you know, what do I do about it? And God would honor it. You know, he was out there preaching the gospel and winning souls, you know. But it was on the mercy side. It was not on the friendship side. See, mercy, you get mercy when you have in mind your own mind something you think is what God wants you to do and you set about doing it you you live covenant you live in covenant when you ask God what he see the difference is like night and day when you ask God what he's ordained for you you've laid down everything you don't have no requests no agenda nothing on the altar no wants no gotta haves all of that's gone and you totally trust God. You know, there are few people who live like that. Everybody's going to God for this, that, and the other, and got a title, and, you know, all this kind of crazy stuff. When God has not graced them with any of that. Not not one little bit of it. And so when we are friends with God, we trust him with our very lives. You lay that down. So many people think, well, if I, if I don't, uh, you know, uh, 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 Brother Hagin says, you got to name your seed. You got to request it. Well, you box God in so far, he can't bless you with the, the exceeding and abundant that he wants to, to give you. You know, you got to name everything and be specific about everything. God, what do you want from me? You put it in my heart what you want. I remember when I I was was praying and asking God. Uh, I remember the prayer, and I remember thinking to myself, God, I'm I'm going to heaven because I was sure of my salvation. That's the only thing I was sure of. But He made me sure of that. And I said, people who are going to heaven, they don't do what I used to do. What do you want me to do? I, I wasn't in nobody's church. I wasn't under nobody's doctrine. I wasn't under nothing. I was just under God. You know. And it seemed like just the right thing to say. You know. What do you tell somebody who is taking you and taking you out of a life of sin and depression and hurt and anger and degradation and brought you over into I've cleaned you up good enough so you can go to heaven and live with me what do you what do you say to that person and what you say to them is man this is enormous what do I do now I've never been on my way to heaven before tell me what people who are on their way to heaven do every day and he began to show me been showing me ever since you got me you don't come to him with a bunch of stuff all the time good gravy we miss so much trying to and the only thing it is it's a selfish thing where people who have got a little bit of corner of of revelation think they've got it all and they just keep pumping that pumping that pumping that pumping that into the ears of the people of God so now that we've got we've got the impression that if we don't go to God with a list or something he's not going to hear us he'll hear you what you want to say to him well just say father i love you i thank you i worship you if you just go and worship him every day normal hay said wealth and riches will be in your house in fact that is true it's psalm 105 said blessed is the man that fears the lord wealth and riches shall be in his house his seed shall be mighty upon the earth just worship god 
Do what he tells you to do. Worship really entails being obedient to God in everything. You know, it's not just sitting around just worshiping and you go get everything. You you got to get up and do some of the things he wants you to do. He puts you here for a purpose. You know, you're sitting up in your room just worshiping, thinking you go get wealthy. That's a lie. Got to go out and sow seed. You got to do some of the things that he he gives you that to put you to work, <laughs> working for him. Come on now. <laughs> you need to understand worldly people are selfish people when you're friends with, with the world you're going to get a lot of hurt you're going to get a lot of disappointment you're going to get a lot of everything wrong because the world is a selfish place and the world that people in the world live by the lust of the flesh the lust of the eyes and the pride of life that's their pursuit and so when we're friends with God we renounce all of that stuff don't we we're not interested in what the world thinks is important <clears throat> so we put aside our agenda to serve God's instead of the other way we know that friends have things in common. Many times your friend, your, you and your friends will have similar goals, similar beliefs, similar habits, and similar fellowship. So you make friends based on your goals, beliefs, habits, fellowship. When we're friends with God, we lay down what we want and accept his will for us with no exceptions. Why? Because deep down in your spirit, that's what you know is best for you. Now, we can play these games all we want to with, you know, name it and claim it. you got to name your seed, make your list, make, be specific. We can do all that we want to. But deep down, you know that if you connect with God's will for you and God's purpose for you, exactly things will go right. Everybody knows that deep down in their spirit. Just in your ears and in your mind you hear something different. People who do what they think God wants and never get it straight from God will always miss the best of what God has for them. Nothing wrong with saying, God, if it's your will. <laughs> What's your will here? I ain't sure, God. You got to tell me. And we're up against those things all the time. I, there are times when people are are uh, elderly and close to death or something like that. And you know, you want to believe for a miracle. You want to believe for healing. But deep down inside of you, the faith isn't there. We need to confess those things. And God, if it's your will, let them be raised up again. They got family here that loves them. They don't want to see them depart. Blah this, blah that. Nevertheless, not ours, but your will be done you know god knows everything he knows when somebody's leaving here and how they gonna leave the day they're born even before they're born so it's best to leave it's not a cop-out to leave things up to him so now the example with brother hagan now was he friends with the world when he was doing the pastoring of the church yeah he was Because he was drawing from his own knowledge, his own understanding. His own, he knew he was called to preach, but all he knew was you had to be a pastor and have a church. He need, knew nothing about the teaching gift. And so when you, when you come into a knowledge of God, you have to lay everything down and trust him to tell you. That's what true friends do. They lay down their lives for one another. 
you're friends with with mere human beings. There are times when you uh, have patience with them and their weakness and and their faults and all that kind of stuff and are forgiving and long suffering. And then there are times when they do the same with you. And so that's what true friendship is. So when we're friends with God, we're able to lay down what we want. Give God a chance to put it in your heart what he wants for you. That's how he works. He will put it in your heart to do what he's called you to do. Period. He has to in order for it to work for you. I remember when I was praying about ministry and I just really thought I thought when I thought ministry I thought working somebody's in somebody's church and helping them to do things like you know feeding hungry people or you know whatever it was to do that's what I thought of and I kept telling God I said God I don't care what it is that you you have me do I said I don't care if it's behind the scenes I don't care if it's just you know you know I don't have to be seen I don't have to be known I don't have to be any of this other stuff and sure enough that's what is what it came out to amen now there are some people who are called to have worldwide ministries etc God enables them to do that according to his will see whatever they're called to do he, he enables them to do it and so we have to understand our portion what our ministry is our piece of it and do that I was talking to uh, the pastor that I met in California and she was saying she said oh yeah we we go out and soul win and she you know you could tell she really loved it well she's an evangelist and an apostle you know she gets some churches going and uh, she was saying she said oh she said she said Reverend Barb why don't you do this and I said if I do what you're doing who's going to do what I'm doing you got me so you got to be ready with an answer for this stuff or you'll start getting swept up and this is how people miss what God has for them to do they get swept up in somebody else's vision or somebody else's way of doing things or you can get around people who are insecure and want to pull you over into what they're doing so you got to recognize the signs most people out here preaching are very insecure people you got me Uh, there's a few what I would call confident ones and confident in their calling and so forth in God you can count them on one hand most of them will compromise when when something they want or something they desire is touched and and you have to that's what insecure people do when when something when the devil threatens something they run after trying to kill (laughs) You know, instead of going to God and get a plan, you know, God, I don't want to see my family taken away from me, you know, but I'm putting them under your hands. And I'm going to keep going out and serving (laughs) Very few have the guts to trust God with those things. And the reason they get yanked and tempted to be taken away is because their affection to it is a little screwy. God's got to get that straight. It's like Morris Cirillo, I'll give you a good example. Morris Cirillo, when uh, his wife was sick, Mom Teresa, it's been over 20 years ago, and he was in South America, and she was taken to the hospital, and his sons called him and said, Dad, Mom's sick. They say she's critical. You've got to come home. And he went and talked to God. God, you heard the report. See, this is 
this is friendship with God. You got me? This is friendship with God. And Brother Cirillo went to God and said, God, should I go? They say she's critical. And God said, trust me. Next day they called again. His sons called again. Dad, you're not here yet. And she's not doing And he tried to explain the best way he could. And of course they told him that wasn't God. You got me. And uh, people like to see you react like they react. See, they're upset. And they're hysterical. And they're crowding around because they think that's helpful what it is it's prideful because you think your presence there is going to make the difference with that person and really what they need is a touch from God and so he said they had a big falling out in his family about it all the sons were you know the family was mad at him and all this and you know you don't love her and yeah she needs you and blah 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 and so God told him again just trust me Three days later, she started to improve. Um, A week later, she was out of the hospital. Um, And Brother Cirillo said, she's in better health now than she's ever been. You see what I'm saying? So, and she's still alive. That's over 20 years ago. She hasn't had anything wrong with her health. She looked better. And and, then that was the truth. You could tell she had had a touch from God. And he had straightened out her health. But suppose Brother Cirillo had run back and quit doing, quit, quit winning souls down there. Quit getting people healed down there. Quit preaching the gospel down there. Because the devil's threatening to take your wife away. Some things are hard things to do, you know, but you have to do them. You know, we all get tested uh, on that. Well, my husband had cancer surgery, and he he went in the surgery. I was telling him, I said, well, well, we've got a, a healing school scheduled that Saturday. He was scheduled for surgery that Friday, and I had to come to Cleveland for that. I was living in here in Detroit. And so I talked to the Lord about it. In fact, as a matter of fact, that testimony when Brother Cirilla was sharing that, something clicked inside of me and said, you're going to have to face that too. You got me. So God had prepared me already for it. And um, so I told Aubrey, I said, can we put that off until like the next Monday or something? No, I just wasn't even so scared, you know. So I just told him, yeah, okay, fine. I said, but I've got to do that meeting I said so I'll be home you know I'll check you out Friday I said I'm going to be gone Saturday during the day but as soon as I can get free I'll come back home and be there Saturday night and that's what I did and that's what God honored you got me and so you have to do what God friendship with God means trusting him he's not going to kill anybody you love because you can't run there and hold their hand you know, we think in our own souls that our, see, you can get into this this fake love thing that's out in the world. Where if you show up and you look anxious and you, you're there all the time, that means something. If you don't come there with a word from God or the power of God or something that's going to change that person for good, you might as well stay away. You got me? You cannot manufacture what God can do 
if you would obey him. The highest return you'll get on anything you do on this earth is to obey God and trust him through it. Now if he tells you to go, go. You got me? But there are many times that you, if, you're, if you've committed to do work for God and you're going to do that work for God, you better live up to your commitment. You know, he, God doesn't cancel anything. Trust me. He does not cancel anything. I was speaking with someone that, you know, they're kind of new in the things of the ministry and they wanted to, uh, you know, uh, (laughs) they had asked me to preach for them and then uh, put a, a note on Facebook that the meeting was canceled. And so I didn't say anything at the time, but, you know, they called me later. We had a prayer appointment, called me later, and, yeah, I decided to cancel. I said, well, I said, I'm sorry to hear that. I said, but, you know, let me tell you this. I said, you you cancel me once only. I said, if I sign up again, you cancel again, I don't preach for you anymore. Really? I said, I don't play games, sweetheart. I said, no, we're not going to play games with God. I said, I advise you not to either. I said, if you tell God you're going to do something, you do it. If you got to go in debt temporarily, if you got to go murder somebody and say you didn't do it, if you got to go steal some food so you can feed some people, I don't care what, but you don't cancel something. I said, do you realize Almighty God has got an appointment to show up at that meeting? Are you kidding me? I said, I don't get involved with people who, who play with him either. Oh, I'm sorry. I didn't. I said, yeah. I said, you're in your emotions and your soul. I said, you're upset about something. So you want to take your marbles and go home like we're playing a game. I said, I don't play with God. I said, so I said, you, I said, if you need to set a better date, I said, you got one time to do that with me. I said, after that, I don't work with you anymore. Not like this. Amen. Let's not get it twisted, folks. I love you and all that, but we're not going to play games with God. We're not going to play games. Well, you throw everything away playing games with me, with him. So, when you are friendship with friends with someone, you have similar goals. God's goal is that not anybody perish. That's his overall goal. When you're a soul winner, you're always friends with God. Always friends with God. And I'm not talking about just just preaching Christ as a savior to people. But introducing them to the goodness of God. That's what people, that's what Jesus did. The Bible says he went about doing good and healing all who were oppressed of the devil. So you're eliminating oppression out there. You're telling people encouraging things that... that why don't we trust God? You know, if you would serve him and give your life to him, I'm telling you, he could do miraculous things for you. Let me tell you what he did for me. And just be a regular person sharing life with somebody. That's what, you know, that's what soul winning is. You're winning somebody from the dark side over into the kingdom of light. You're enlightening them. You're giving them hope. You're giving them encouragement. You're giving them uh, a, a lifeline. To go home and feel better about things and and let God sow another seed, bring somebody else to him who can sow some more into their life. You're extending life to, to people when you do things like that. And so it's our job as believers to bring life, bring hope, encouragement, 
health, all of those things to people. Because that's what God wants them to have. So your goal, and, and you need to ask yourself, God, what is my life about? What 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 is it about? Am I about my father's business, winning souls, encouraging people? When I when I uh, email, when I, I have people that I talk to or text or email, do I invite them to a meeting? Or do I just plan to go myself and don't think about anybody else to come? You got me? The body of Christ has gotten a little closed in again. You know, we used to invite people and we're excited about God. Now we're just barely taking care like we're on life support ourselves. When we have all the life in us to give to others. Yeah. We have to be about the Father's business 24-7. You can't put him on a schedule and say, well, we're going to do this first and then after that we'll <laughs> go and do what you want us to do, God. It sounds stupid, but that's what we do in our hearts many times. We, You get up in the morning and what you plan to do with your day lets you know where your heart is. What's your goal? You know, he's just going to work. That's all. I got to get to work. It's so stressful. I got to get there on time. And we never say, God, let me do what you want me to do. (laughs) Hmm? Well, that's friendship with the world. Looking out for yourself and what you want all the time. That's what worldly people do. They're always, you know, think about that job. Can I get some overtime? How can I get some more money to... You know, and not to do more for God's kingdom. We're looking for more money to do stuff for us. (laughs) So we must be about our Father's business 24-7. That should be our goal. His business is our business. His business must be our business when we set our goals correctly. We don't get any breaks from doing the will of God. He is your break. He will supply your break. And think, break from what? <laughs> from God. <laughs> I need a break from God. <laughs> That's what we're really saying. Yeah. He's our break. Now, sometimes people say, well, I, I, I'm going to be away from church now. I don't do it often. Well, you mean you count how many times you come? Oh. Uh? You know, it's just a way of thinking about things. We need to understand God has planned our whole lives from day one. Okay, he got it all planned out. And he wants us to fit in with that plan. So there is no escaping his hand and his touch on everything. No escaping it. God's goal for all humanity is recover losses. So you're in recovery mode. In your life. <clears throat> You're getting back. What the enemy has stolen from you. And your 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 family line. Amen. So what are we recovering? We're recovering our lost identity. We don't know that we're priests and kings. Mm-hmm. <clears throat> so we're covering that lost identity. We think we still got a bag for everything. We don't see our, our, ourselves as people of substance and ability and purpose. 
So we're recovering lost purpose. We're recovering lost work. In other words, we, God intended to employ us just like he did Adam in the garden. He said, tend to what I've given you. So when Adam lost it, he wasn't tending anything anymore. He then fell into recovery and then tending. And so God intends for us to recover everything that was stolen and take care of it. If you want to recover a lost relationship, you've got to take care of it. If you want to recover your lost identity, you've got to take care of it. And recovering lost purpose, you must take care of it. You can't just say, oh, God called me to do, or I'm a prophetess, or I'm an apostle, and you don't work that purpose out. You got me? You've got to take care of that. That's why he purchased us out of the devil's control into his control. You you don't you're not out here on your own. Don't get it twisted. You're either in one kingdom or the other. We we live in kingdoms. It's either one or the other. It's either light or darkness. You're not here on your own. And when you think you are, you're over in darkness. Unless you're conscious and aware of God at all times, you're in darkness. Now well, now I, I just I don't I neither one. Oh, I don't think so. <laughs> but when God controls us, there is total recovery of all things. Under God's control, there is total recovery of all things. You get back your identity. Your soul becomes whole again. You you are made whole of everything that was stolen. Mm-hmm. Loss continues when we get out of God's control. Loss continues when we get out of God's control. In the process, God is shaping us into the image of his son. So all of the things, the challenges that we face, if you make the choice to obey God anyhow, you start being conformed. Because that's what Jesus did. He kept doing the will of the Father no matter what happened. You just keep pressing. You keep doing. You keep going forward. You keep fighting to maintain. You keep doing what needs to be done so that you can stay in contention and you can recover. God shapes us. We don't try to be anything See, this is the mistake Christians make with one another. We look at people and we see their flaws and we think, well, they should do this. And you ain't God. You don't know what he got on. (laughs) You don't know what he's working on. You got me? You know, it it might take, uh, uh, and we judge things wrong anyway. You know, always judging some according to what we think ought to be Christian behavior. Uh I'm telling you, I got cured of judging people on their behavior and and it was a good thing for me because I can see how um, 
discrediting and disqualifying people because of weakness in the flesh or or things they do in the flesh discrediting them number one it's not it's not godly he never discredits anybody they can always repent and get back into the mercy of god and and so discrediting people or saying they're not this isn't valid what they're doing uh because of their uh um, language bad language or anything like that you know the things that the enemy throws out there to distance us from people uh, I, I got cured of it I used to I always enjoyed dog the bounty hunter and uh, because of just because of what I saw them I could you you can can be touched by the heart of people in what they're doing and I saw here I saw a man who was not just recovering uh, people so he could keep his money but he would minister to them and share Christ if he could if he had an open door and he was so skilled at it and I thought to myself I said God is this you no no here's a Christian minister I don't know you see how your 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 idea of what a godly person is if it ever gets challenged you can't just say well that's wrong and that's not of God and I know it's of God you got to keep your heart open and your mind open to understand what God may be doing through a vessel who's in a different culture has a different job see I'm not a bounty hunter I don't know what they have to do I don't know what they have to say to get people to know they're serious with them so they can apprehend them. I have no idea. But I do know this. God wants to help everybody. He wants to reach. And see, I would never reach those people probably in a million years. But if God's raised up somebody who can reach them in that arena on their level, then praise God. And so I found out that God would use people who cussed. When they were doing what they, you could cuss one minute and then the anointing fall the next. And I thought, well, God, this just ain't right. Now, God, you stop this. You understand what I'm saying? You see how you can get stupid real quick. And I would watch. And they, them people would, the people they get in that little truck in the back seat behind the truck. They come out different. If they don't come out different, they and they, uh, you gave him a cigarette and you're talking about him straightening his life out. Y'all smoking and praying too. It'll slap the religion out of clean out of you. And then I thought to myself, I said, Gee, God, what things have I done right before I went into preaching? You were with me anyway. <laughs> so you gotta you gotta really zero in on God. You got to know what God's up to. You got to know. And then when all this stuff broke out against them and I said, Oh, I see what it is now, you know, this is this war is familiar to me. You know what I'm saying? And uh same thing, you know, same thing. 
And so I'm telling you folks, you <laughs> you can you can goof up real good. Friendship with the world. See, the world judges by appearances. The world wants to judge, uh, and they have no God to to direct them, but they'll judge whether you're of God. <laughs> you know what I'm saying? They'll try to tell you you're not a good Christian, and they ain't saved. You know, you get that from unsaved people, when you, especially in the workplace. You know, they'll see you doing something because they're watching you anyway. You got me? God has them watching you. And He's he has them watching you because you're that witness that needs to be there. And so they want, though, to find something on you so they can reject God and have a reason to do it. See? And so many times, and many times we give them reasons. You know, the minute you start compromising with sinners, they have a reason not to serve God. Huh? Anytime they see you uh, um, in conflict with the body of Christ, they have a reason to disrespect God. You see what I'm saying? And so we have to make sure, even if it kills us, to keep good relationships with God's people. You've got to be in, in church when you're supposed to be in church as much as you can and, and let them say they're never going, but you go anyway. You understand what I'm saying? I've been through all of this. When I was when my husband was at home and wasn't serving God, there were many times that, that I hated where I was going because the pastor was persecuting me. Oh, nobody likes that. I went anyway. You understand? Cut. Why? Bigger fish to fry here, honey. <laughs> you can take a few slings and arrows and, and understand that it's for a greater good. You know, when it's too much for you, God will tell you, that, well, go out of the house anyway. Make your husband think you're going to church. You understand what I'm saying? Go around the corner or something. But keep up that routine. Keep up that witness so that that witness is not shot. Because the first thing unsaved people want to say, well, you don't go. Huh? What happened to you? You used to go all the time. Hypocrite. Witness is shot. So we have to be consistent. Laying down your life. When you lay down your life, you lay down your life. You don't pick it back up again. And so the enemy wants us always to be there to compromise, to be there to misjudge. To be there to develop a conflict between us and the rest of his body. You can't afford to do that. You've got to forgive and you got to love everybody. You know, you see people uh, um, that have, have um, walked away from God. Don't serve him anymore. You know, backslidden. In sin. Out in the public. There's only so much attention you, you should be able to give that. You know, you keep your eyes straight ahead focused on God if that if you haven't seen that before that ain't gonna be the last time trust me there's all kind of people that fall away all the time you keep yourself focused on God so uh, getting under God's control is the only way to recover while he's shaping us man we can allow God to conform us to the image of his son don't try to be something this is a process of yielding to his leading and enduring rejection by the world the world uses rejection as a tool to get us to compromise 
if you if you'll just bend your rules and come on over to my side, I'll continue to be friends with you. And um, if it were said like that, we'd know it was the devil right off the bat. But it's never said like that. It's always done in a subtle way. You know, I know uh, people who are or have families that that persecute them. Uh, their main question: Do you have to? You have to see when when people say that they wanna they wanna feed that little thing of rebellion, that root of rebellion that we have, and, and pride. I can I can quit going to church anytime I want to. You know, I can quit tithing anytime. I can quit serving God anytime. You know what I'm saying? And they they wanna feed that. I remember it reminds me of a a woman I knew when we were uh, kind of young in the things of God. We all went to the same church. And, she was saying that she went out with some friends of hers and they went to a bar and uh, they had all ordered drinks and they ordered one for her and so at first she had said uh, no thank you and then they said oh you scared to drink that and she said I picked that drink up and threw it down I said, oh boy witness is DOA your witness is dead on arrival. Well, see, number one, I'm sure God told her before she stepped out of the house, don't go to that bar. See, he won't lead us into temptation. And he and he he allows us his grace to say no. There's grace to refuse, there's grace to upset yourself, there's grace to not be there. All of that's there for us. And if we'll follow that, even though it looks like uh, something else, God will cover us and help us and preserve our witness. But if you override his warning not to get involved, it's not going to work out for you, don't go there, I don't want you there. You know, if we override that, then we get involved in situations that we regret very deeply afterwards and so some things we don't know how to recover or we're too prideful to recover because many times we get in situations where we do the wrong thing and we really need to go back to those people and apologize and tell them you know what I did the wrong thing I don't want you ever to think that Christmas is okay with God for me to sit up on a bar stool and drink liquor anymore you got me? And they'll look at you like you're crazy. Oh, well, what'd you do it for? Well, I'm, I'm weak just like you are weak. You know, I said, that one thing we have in common. But I want to tell you right now, I'm not going to go out with you anymore drinking. And don't ask me anymore because I know better. And, and try and square things so that your witness is preserved. Because you're in their midst for a God reason. You're not around people for, because you like them and you want to be, you like their company and y'all having fun going, that, that ain't why I'm telling you that's not why you dare. You are not there for that purpose. So, don't try to be anything. Let, let God do that by process of you yielding to him, trusting him. All our experiences are molding us and shaping us to conform to the image of Christ. We are to endure rejection by the world. It's something you have to endure. You can't compromise. I remember, you know, my my husband used to 
love jazz music he fights you over his jazz music and I think to myself man now he loves some worship music but he just had to hold on to that so he, like I was taking I said you can do what you want to do them old 78 LPs and what them 33 and a third LPs and all that crazy stuff all that antique equipment and stuff like that and, you know I decided that I wasn't going to struggle with him over the things of God you don't strive with people over the things of God. And so sometimes people wind up fighting. They realize they're fighting themselves or fighting an imaginary foe because they have made up their. They listened to the devil told them, oh, your wife don't want you to. He don't want you to do this. And see, when they put a name and a face on it, then you get mad because you want to. They can't tell me what to do. God can't tell me what to do. Oh, well. <laughs> pretty tall order you know and so we we our goals have to line up with God's word you you can't have a goal outside of the word of God you know he wants us to have families he wants us to have marriages he wants us to have all of the things that you desire in your heart he desires for you just usually he desires it in a different order in a different way it's not your life so that when it's threatened you give up everything to hold on to it you know you let go of God trying to hold on to a marriage that you should have turned over to him a long time ago or a relationship that was never under God because you it wasn't a godly relationship that kind of stuff uh, he's waiting for us to turn these things over to his care um, I was thinking about when I mentioned the, the um, example of Brother Cirillo and, you know, um, what happened there. And, and I remember when Benny Hinn's marriage was threatened. And, you know, he started dating somebody, you know, and all this kind of fleshly stuff. Well, that little thing of pride was probably there all the time. You know, and this is how God decided to deal with it. You got me? You come out of yourself. You come out of, you know, if your wife leaves you, you got to let her go and trust God to bring her back. But you don't, in your pride, you know, oh, well, I've got somebody else. You listen to all these crazy people prophesy to you, all this nonsense stuff. And before you know it, you're in deeper hot water than you were before. But thank God, God restored his marriage before he got triple stupid. You know, God bless her, but I, I Paula White, mm-mm. That ain't his wife. Suzanne is his wife. You see, you see what I'm saying? You, you can't jump off and you can't get friends with the world. The world says, oh, God's got something better for you. Mm-hmm. Your same wife that you've been married to all this time, that's your something better. Whoever you married to, that's your good thing. You better stay there. Nothing wrong with your wife. Huh? Nothing wrong with them. So we, we need to understand God's wisdom. His goal is for us to recover, not for us to uh, let the devil steal and then we receive a substitute in its place. You have to let God, uh, you, you have to partner with him in what he wants you to do with your life. But your goals, God's goals should be your goals. You should have no goals outside of what God has for you. And trust him to take care of what he's given you.
He will take care of it. You know, I wanted desperately for my husband to live longer. But God said, no, it's time. When it's time, folks, it's time. You got me? You can't put off pain. You can't avoid the thing that you fear greatly will come upon you anyway if you spend most of your time trying to get around it and avoid it. Some things you have to just let God have it and know that he's He's promised to help you through it. He's promised to heal you. All of those things. You have to hold on to that from minute to minute to get through these things because everybody has to suffer through them. But your goal has to be. To, it has to be God's goal. God, I know that through this loss I'm conforming to the image of Christ. I thank you that you see good in it for me at the other side. It doesn't feel good now. It doesn't seem good now. But you see good for me at the other side. You have peace for me right now. In my life, I have peace in whatever situation that I'm in. If I cling to you, it won't, the pain won't be as intense. If I trust you, I'll get through it sooner. I'll get on the other side of this pain. And you, and we're, it's going to happen to everybody. You got me? You can't avoid some things. But you have a God who will get you through them. Amen? Why don't we stop? Well, Lord, we thank you for your word and for understanding. Thank you, Lord, for blessing us, edifying us, teaching us everything we need to know, Lord. Boy, we honor you. We love you, Lord. There's no one like you in heaven or on earth. And we thank you, Lord. We bless you and we praise you for it. In Jesus' name, amen and praise God. Amen, amen, amen. If anybody needs prayer, come on up. I just need you to worship us to stand to your feet right here. Come on. Oh, dear Babash.
Anybody have prayer that needs prayer? We're going to do some uh, witnessing door to door. Miss Wanda, you want to um, uh, have everybody. But I'm going to ask the Lord if he will direct you to people who want to be in the house of God. The right people. we got to connect with the right people that are out there. Everybody needs the Lord. Uh, but we need to connect with people who are open to hear. So, Lord, we ask you to open up the hearts and the ears of the people that need a touch from you, need encouragement from you, that need a church to attend where they can worship you and praise you and love you, get answers, get problems solved, Lord. I thank you that those people are there. Just lead us to them today by your Holy Spirit. In Jesus' name, amen. Praise God. Amen. 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 We are dismissed. Amen. You're welcome. Amen. Amen. Oh